going to new software probably the next time you join us. But I remember to turn down the keyboard. All right. That way our listeners don't uh, go deaf and not be able to hear us. So it's uh, no driving glove. No with... driving glove? Did we lose one? Yes. Or did we, I should say we put one on, no driving glove, but we have the other. We're, we're rebelling tonight. No. It's a bare knuckle approach to the automotive hobby. Only on one hand. Well, my driving gloves are like three-quarter finger things. They only go up to my knuckles. No, oh, well, that makes sense. And then these knuckles are bare. And then there's some vent holes. Velcro straps. We ought to get a couple pairs of driving gloves and give them away. Yeah, we should get them like embroidered, no driving gloves. Blue, no, blue leather. Ooh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. I have a, um entire hide of uh, gray Connolly leather. And every other hide in this same lot was about 60 to 67 square feet. We can probably get a lot of pairs of gloves out of that. Get somebody to hand stitch them up and then embroider them in blue. I would say so. That'd be kind of cool. I think I can, <clears throat> I think I can get the uh, embroidery handled. I know somebody. How about the uh, sewing of the gloves? Actually, probably th they would probably give it a go. I don't forget somebody from the McPherson automotive restoration thing. But yeah, we're talking about the we're talking about too much about the uh, the behind the scenes stuff of no driving gloves. That's what people come here for. They don't yeah, come for sure anything else. Not the car knowledge. Mm -hmm. I mean, we can prove that is you know one of us is a former owner of a 2004 Saab 93, and the other one had a 2006 Pontiac Solstice. You figure you out. know. Has the listeners, you figure out who. Well, if they've been the, listening long enough, they should know. Well, they should know. But all of our um, episodes are available at nodrivinggloves.com. But tonight we're actually going to kind of talk about probably more regrets, but what car should have I? Um, I have no regrets, John. No regrets. I, I live my life with no regrets. I got to move this screen over here, though. Wow. I can't move that screen over there because I need this screen over there, too. Jeez. So what you been up to, John, other than moving screens? Yeah, have a good week. Um. Yeah, so, a pretty good week, really. I've had today off. I'll have tomorrow off i have saturday off it's rare for me to have three in a row and then i think i'm going to the mountains over thanksgiving and staying home over christmas so i got a little bit going on a little bit here a little bit there sounds fun and got a new podcast possibly launching uh i guess we'll find out Ooh, fancy uh, itch Bringing Itch. some common, bringing common sense to the world. 
Is there an asterisk before the itch? No. No. The podcast is called Itch. It's actually called The Itch. And the E is creatively designed to Ah. service two letters. But you never name a podcast the. Now we're getting into the weeds again. These people are here to talk about cars or hear us bitch about cars. Yes. And I think I'm supposed to go first in this week's bitch. The bitch of the week. Actually, we should just, this could be called the itch segment brought to you by Itch Podcast. Maybe you'll be hearing that in January. Um, I'm just trying to decide which one to go with. Hmm. Go with both of them. Boy, dead air. We're, we're, we're so entertaining here. Oh, geez. I had, I had five or six happenings this week that just kind of irritated. Just really just... No. Did that to you? Did what? <laughs> no, it's like... Damn, that pissed me off. And I'm supposed to pay attention for funny moments in my comedy for my comedy writing class. And I'm having a heck of a time doing that. Randy's pointed out, said, Hey, you should do this. You should do that. And, uh, oh, wait a second. I didn't, you know, yeah, while, while we laughed about it, I didn't realize it was a funny moment, but I'm dumb like that. But I'm really good at paying attention to these bitches. I'm just having a horrible time remembering them or, or choosing the, um, you know, they say, though, that the best comedy comes out of, like, people's stupidity and things that make you angry. So you need to just take what makes you angry and put the comedic spin on it. Because it's all about life experiences. Because that's what the audience uh, can relate to, right? So, you know, I was driving down the road the other day and this idiot, you know. It's always this idiot. I mean... Carlin always had a good skit about cars and stuff. Oh. Um, I'm going to bitch a little bit about gas prices, I think. Oh, here we go. And I'm not talking about that they're too high or they're too low or in between. And I've brought it up on the podcast before. How can you be in the same city with the same sales tax rate and basically the same truck delivering to all the same gas stations and have 20 or 30 cents a gallon difference uh, in the cost of gas? If I click on my Gas Buddy app here, Wait a second. I don't need to do that. My new phone's got a widget. I go to the gas widget. In Birmingham, the lowest price for gas, 87 octanes, 303 a gallon. The average price is 326. So that's a 23 cent swing there. But that's the average price, which means the other side could go up potentially another 23 cents. So in the same town, you're looking at 303 to 349 a gallon for 
87 octane. Mm-hmm. I don't get it. John, it's called supply and demand. It's not supply and demand. It because- is. It is because pay attention to which gas stations have the higher gas prices. You immediately get off a freeway or a highway. The gas stations closest to where the most traffic are are going to be the ones with the higher prices because the demand is greater. And typically the ones that are further away, a little further out, are the ones with the slightly less lower gas prices because there's not as much demand. No, that's not true. Everywhere I go, it is. Um, I see that quite often. Birmingham, it's a little weird. There's a Circle K that is next to the Best Buy that's typically the cheapest gas station in town. Not a lot of traffic there, correct. But sometimes it's the most expensive. The gas stations near where I live in Birmingham are sometimes typically on the lower side. But... I don't get how they can be 15 or 20 cents lower per gallon, but then as gas prices rise, they're equal to every other gas station in town. Why isn't that difference, you know, carried? Or are they carrying the other gas stations so the gas, those gas stations don't go from 350 to 370? The gas stations are at 330, go up to 350 to match, and that's where they're making up. So, you know, it's just, yeah, I'm sure there's a rhyme or reason about it, and it's all about profitability. But, John, you know how I you figure it out? I need somebody to explain that. And you, you know how you figure I, it out? I so want to do an episode on gas taxes, but we will probably uh, get arrested for that. Um, years yeah. ago, uh, there was a municipality that I was in that one of the gas station chains posted the price of gas on the pump. And then this tax, this tax, this tax listed all the taxes lasted about three days before the state stepped in and told them they could not put that and display that and break down how much money was actually going to taxes out of that gallon of gas. Um, I think we have a right to know. And I've tried to dig up and research and it's uh, almost an impossible uphill looking at one community, letting, let alone trying to compare to other municipalities. So somebody has to know somewhere, but it's really not public. Well, it is public. There's just a lot of red tape you got to get through to get to it. That's the trick. But you know the best way to find out, John? Just go buy your buy yourself a gas station and you'll learn the inner workings of it. Mm-hmm. I got other things I want to buy. All right. I tend to leave my money for cars. The hookers and blow. Oh, so I can't say that. Brandy's watching. <laughs> and it's 2022, not 1987. <laughs> hey, you know, I'm stuck in that Miami Vice. Uh, next uh, up, ladies and gentlemen, Don Johnson. <laughs> Pastels and Ferrari Daytona convertibles. Yeah, actually, or, that would be a really cool interview. Like Bernie Spider. Yeah. Or repainted Ferrari Testa Roses. 
But honestly, Don Johnson would probably be a pretty fun interview. He's driven some cool ass cars in his career in the TV shows he's been in. Well, Don Johnson is a car guy. Well, I know, but I'm just saying, like one that gets me that never seemed to be never seemed to be a car guy is um, who's the star of the Blacklist? Um, Can't think of his name all of a sudden. I don't watch it, so Um, Boston Legal was. Alan, the attorney, um, didn't watch it. Jeez, what good are you? I don't really watch TV. Well, our fans out there know exactly who I'm talking about. He's supposed to be a massive, massive Porsche collector. and None of the characters he ever plays seem to be Porsche yeah. people. It would seem that it may be James Spader. That is it. There you go. You must use the the Google in front of you, or did you use Bob's comment? <laughs> I I may have used the comment section. Yes, he is a Porsche guy and supposedly a diehard Porsche guy, and I just don't. His characters don't portray that. I don't know if I've seen that many personal interviews with him, but I'd love to have him on the show too. And uh, I'm I'm hoping I'm hoping I can figure out how to pull some strings here. We just. We just need to have the listeners uh, tell a friend to check out our podcast. And we actually do get focused on a topic after we a little bit, but we like to meander. There's so much of the car world to cover. And you sent me something earlier this week, Derek. Did you actually read that article on the one stroke engine? Uh, don't, don't, don't jump into that because I haven't been able to read the article yet and I haven't been able to research it because I sent it to you and I didn't follow up on it because that idea has been around since the 19, early 1900s. There were actually very similarly designed engines very early on, but I don't have all my research pulled together to talk about it. Jeez, what are you doing? Like you got kids in a real job or something. Yeah, exactly. I was trying to check something here because I believe we've had a similar conversation about that. About me not being prepared with research to talk about uh, something that I sent you? No. um, Oh, okay. About, you know, the thing had actually been around since the... uh, well, we talk about that a lot because you really, when it boils down to it, uh, I think we've said it on the show many, many a times that really there's not a lot of new in the industry. It's just improved upon or redesigned and, um, you know, yeah, that developed was further than it was. Episode 202, old is the new new. That's what it was. Yes. Yeah. Because I you know we've said it and you're stumbling around it, but everything we have has already been invented. We just now have the technology to make the inventions work. Yeah. Make them more efficient, more productive, more power, all of those things that you need. But yeah, it's just, I needed to send it to you so I wouldn't forget about it. And then I promptly forgot about it. So we'll be talking about that on a future episode. Yes. And Derek's taking next week off, so I don't know if I'll be solo or if I will pull a uh, surprise guest host in. And yes, Uh, Reddington. 
Um, so going back to the theme of the show, what car should have, what car, what car should, well, a lot of the questions go, what car should have. Oh, sorry. Um, what, what car should have you never sold? Oh, that's an easy one for me. And what would that be? The GTO. Should have never sold that car. All the other cars I've sold, no problem. I've really sold many cars. <laughs> um, but I I still wish I had the GTO. I like that car. That was a good car. And, uh, you know. Yeah, it was it was joint ownership with my you know myself and my dad and you know we decided to sell it for other reasons and uh you know I to now to this day I wish I still had it I see them pop up every now and then uh, yeah ones that need restoration and I'm kind of like this mm, should I know I have too many cars in the barn I was gonna say I would bet that a um Fully restored GTO, 74 GTO, probably only has, what, a three or $4,000 price difference to one that needs restored? Uh, they're a little more than that. They're actually getting some respect nowadays. But, yeah, I, there's just something about, like, I, I don't know, because I thought about it. Like, I see them out there. They need, you know, full restorations for a couple, maybe a couple thousand dollars. And I think about it and I'm like, but it will never be that car, right? It'll never be the one that dad and I restored together was my first car was, you know, all the things that car was plus all the unique things that car had to it. The, the way it was ordered by the original owner with the packages it had on it, um, you know, all the different features it had, uh, you know, so I, every time I think about it, I'm like, yeah, but it, it's just, it won't be that car. So I kind of just let it go. You don't think you could, uh, you could potentially stumble across upon the exact same car or do you know that car's completely, completely gone? Oh, no, no, no. It's still around. Yeah. Um, last, last we knew it was still in kind of the greater Flint area of Michigan, uh, I still have the VIN number to this day. So every now and then I check around that area and see if it crops up for sale. Uh, last, last I knew though, the guy that the, I, either the guy that bought it or somebody they sold it to, I don't know. Uh, but last anything dad heard was that the car had been um, completely changed. We'd restored it back completely to the factory um, specifications that we had for it. And I think the last time dad heard is somebody stripped it down and painted it black and changed the interior in it and a bunch of stuff. So uh, it would need to need to be restored again. Well, then you can relive me a repeat. In your 40s and your dad's 50s, you could restore the car and, you know, relive those younger <laughs> and, days. In my 40s and my dad's 50s, he was 10 when he had me one. <laughs> Well, I was trying not to um, make your dad seem too old, just perverted. <laughs> <laughs> so, man, what car should have I never sold? 
God only knows. There's so many I wish I could have back. Come most, on, you know it's a mini truck, John. Actually, I think most recently the one I would like to have back would be my Porsche. I'd like to have that Boxster back. I never gave it a fair shake. I I don't know. I went into it positive and got in it and, eh, and I should have taken it for what it was. How but, how long did you own that one, John? I got it in June or July 2011. I think it was 2011 and I got rid of it in October of 2012. So 13 months, maybe. All right. Longer than most, right? Yeah. yeah. Because after the Porsche, that was June or July in September or it might have been October of 2011, I bought a 2012 Hyundai Velocitor. And in October of 2012, I traded both of them for my F1, my 2012 F-150. So I Not had that. two brand new 2012 vehicles, <laughs> one at the beginning of the model year and one at the end of the model year. There you go. And then the Porsche was an 05 Boxster. And, uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. I shouldn't, you know, it's one, like I say, it's one of those things I probably should have never got rid of it. And it's something that, and take this when it comes to getting rid of cars and that, it's something we used to talk about, um, in the Birmingham Motoring Club. And at the time, I think it was the time it was Birmingham British Motoring Club that when you sell a car like that, you better have another one to immediately go buy. Otherwise, you put the money in the bank and then a nickel goes here and a dime goes there and a nickel goes there and then all of a sudden, you don't have your toy car money again. And just about everybody I know that is not, well, even some of my very wealthy people are friends. That has happened to, you know, like I said, sold the Porsche and ended up spending that money elsewhere. And I should have uh, taken my flying lessons and bought an airplane. Um, I know somebody who sold his um, Diablo and, uh, and it took him years to get back into another Lamborghini. Now, he might have had the money, but he was might have been just being responsible and in investing it. But still, it took him years to feel comfortable enough to buy a another Lamborghini and you know I've seen people they sell their MG and you know all of a sudden their toy money's gone you know I'm going to sell it that way I have the money free to buy whatever's next so never sell your toy unless you have something else uh, in mind and in Derek's case he just never sells his toy that's the other problem then <laughs> you end up like Leno with owning or uh, renting or leasing uh, half a di ha half the airport. <laughs> so 
I mean, is that a problem, really? Not really. No. I'm still working that one out of my head. Is I know a lot of people that rent hangers for their garages. Mm-hmm. I, I never thought about that. And it seems like the Burbank Airport, I don't know where they put the planes because it seems... I know of at least six guys that have garages there, and Leno's one of them. And he, he takes up half the damn airport. <laughs> you know? Yeah, a lot of them. They, he, even it's funny here in, in Bowling Green, uh, there's uh, a small you know airport, nothing major. And uh, there's quite a few hangars there that have cars in them. And, you know, there's some that do have planes. And there's some really great antique historic planes uh, early aircraft. There we go. That's a better term for it. Uh, at the airport here in Bowling Green, it kind of blows my mind. A couple of the planes that are here, and uh, but you know, a lot of the uh, other planes just kind of sit out on the tarmac and sit around the airport. <laughs> it's like, so the hangars are for what again? They're just because it is. It's just a bunch of cars and various stuff that guys are renting the hangar and storing their cars and various items in it's 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 an interesting uh um situation at airports that might be an interesting one to dive deeper into someday yeah because i wonder what the security's like etc driving in and out of the airport in and out of the airport um don't they have to go through security checks or something just in case they decide to bring a bomb or two with them um, I, I think when you rent the hangers, it's a little different. Like, I think you have to go through some security stuff and then, you know, you have codes to various, only certain gates that get you to your hangar. This is at least at the airports. I'm aware of people, no people at rent hangers, but. Yeah, there's a small one out where I used to live and where I should have taken uh, my flying lessons. That um, I think the whole airport, it's a small little airport and it's got like 12 hangars. And I think eight of them are car garages. And some of them are just, you open them up and it's car parts and car parts and car parts and car parts. And, you know, we've, I've had to go and look for like a differential for a car because somehow this guy at some point in time owned this car and, you know, it was in pieces when he owned it, and when he sold it, not all the pieces went. And you go, and you know, he's—it's just—I don't know how the Birmingham Shuttlesworth Airport is. Now, something tells me they um, don't have a lot of garages there. But you know, and the other thing that's interesting is, especially, especially if you are uh, doing what you just said, John, where you're just storing parts, like it's just parts upon parts upon parts upon parts in this hangar. Is that more affordable than just your general storage unit? Like why? Yeah, that that's the that, other that question. I want. How, how much does a hangar cost to rent? Because I, not that I'm going to do it, um, but I've slowly been paying attention to the classifieds uh, because I, you know, right now I want to rent a 400 square foot warehouse and I'd like to go to a thousand square foot warehouse um, and maybe have a little bit of shop space in it. Not that I would use it, but 
I'm, I've been looking for various alternatives and I had a warehouse rented last year, right before I moved, but I, it, because I was going to be moving in the next couple of weeks, it just was going to be unaffordable. Um, but that place would have been great to hang on to. And I actually came across another one today that was similar, like 975 a month for 1500 square feet with an office. Um, but it's just, you know, I would like to know what a hanger costs. Just, okay. Okay. You know, just, well, hang on. Cause I've done some research real quick while you were talking Bowling Green regional airport. I pulled up, I found the hanger rent prices for 2022. Now the interesting thing is they don't list if this is per month or per year, there's just a dollar amount. So I'm kind of confused right now. Uh, but a single engine aircraft hangar with an electric door is $287. Now, as I say, that doesn't say whether that's per month, per six months, per year. I will bet that's per month. I would hope it's per month. A single engine aircraft hangar with a sliding door is $252. A uh, twin engine aircraft hangar with electric doors, uh, 503. Uh, sli- uh, yeah, and then, yeah, that's 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 the main hangars they have. If you want an asphalt tie-down on the tarmac, it's only $45. But then I guess take that, um, you know, take that monthly price. It doesn't give you the square feet. It just tells you it's for a single uh, engine aircraft, but you'd have to figure out the square feet, divide that out and figure out if it's actually cheaper than a rental, uh, storage unit. Well, I would, I can I tell feel you like right our topic now, has quickly changed. I can tell you right now that that would be cheaper than my 400 square foot storage unit of which I pay $200 a month for. Hmm. Yeah, and you got to believe it. it it's got to be bigger than 400 square feet. I'm not sure what the normal single aircraft or single engine aircraft uh, size is, but. Well, that's getting into airplanes. What car did you yeah. um, not buy? What car should have you bought? So many, John. So many. <laughs> What's the one that's a thorn in your side? Now, is it that we could have afforded and not bought or one that you didn't buy because we couldn't freaking afford it? You realistically had the opportunity to buy. Who realistically had the opportunity to buy and didn't and could have afforded to buy. That's what you're telling me. No, no, no. Realistically. Well, yeah. Had the opportunity to buy. I.e. with your income and that, but afforded doesn't necessarily mean, I mean, you might, I mean, if you had to sacrifice breakfast until the car's paid off, that's not technically affording to buy it, but you could have still bought it, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. If you gave up all your cable and all your internet and everything so that you could have this car, so you can go a little bit above what you would say, a reasonable person would spend. Ooh, uh, 
Hmm. You want to give yours? Do you have one like at the ready? Cause I'm going to have to think about this for a minute. Um, one at the ready <laughs> or multiple at the ready. Um, why it's, it's a car that haunted me. Um, I had no business buying it. I realistically couldn't have afforded it, but I could have made the payments on it and that. Um, the way I buy cars and sell cars on a 12-month rotation um, would have changed because there's it would have depreciated so fast. Um, I would have been stuck in this car for a few years. And the thing is, is I went to buy the car three different times. The final time I made the best deal I have ever made on a car. And I still walked away from it. And then, and this is in 2013, 2014 era. And even to this day, this car still crosses through my life. Um, I see it at car shows. I see it in traffic. When I lived out near the Bessemer, Bessemer Airport that we just talked about, the car lives down the street that the airport's on. And that airport, the street, is at, was actually a crossroads near the house I was at. So this car is just like haunted me, should have been. And that was that um, 2013 um, uh, Roush Mustang Stage 2 kit. Um, gotta have it green, had a, um, pearlescent, uh, clear coat put over the gotta have it green. So it was a, it's a really unique green, um, you know, car was 72,000 bucks or something. And, and like I said, I could have, could have paid for it, but, um, and the final deal I made, they they brought the car down to like forty eight thousand, which is almost what a Mustang the the base Mustang GT would have been, giving you the Roush package for free. And I could have bought any pickup truck on the used lot at their cost. So I was going to have to buy two vehicles, but I got a pickup truck at cost, and I got. $25,000-ish off the Mustang. And I turned it down. And why I regret not having the car, or I miss not having the car, or never, I don't know. I'm, I'm glad I did it. But if I had to do it again, and circumstances were slightly different, I'd like to have that one back, or have that opportunity back. That's just one of them. <laughs> there's so many of them does it have to be a complete car what are our parameters here i don't think it has to be a complete car i know what you've got in your garage <laughs> ouch um so the one 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 item that i really regret uh losing and and not pursuing further than i did I had the good fortune to go and see a barn full of cars uh, shortly before I was really one of the first people in the building uh, when they were getting ready to sell it. 
sell everything off because the uh, gentleman who had collected it all had passed away. Of course, his wife was getting older. Typical story, right? And I know where some of these cars are to this day. I know people that bought them. And I couldn't, I could not afford a single thing in that barn. There was a uh, 1912 to 14 Peerless uh, in in the building, which just a fantastic car. Uh, there was a Kissel Goldbug in that barn. Again, fantastic. Actually, a, a, a car that a lot of people know now because it has re, kind of resurfaced after that sale out of that barn. But um, the early, I want to say it's a, a 1904, 5 uh, Thomas that's completely unrestored. You've probably seen this car, John. Uh, it's kind of a, um, a brownish yellow color. Um, very, very nice car. Completely unrestored. Won the historic awards out at Pebble Beach back in probably 14 or 16, somewhere around there. And uh, that was in that barn. I couldn't, I could not touch a car in that barn. And, uh, but then the, uh, one of the people that were there were like, well, you know, there's a bunch of stuff out behind the barn in the woods. And I was like, now we're talking my speed. So went out back, you know, looked around and although I probably would not have kept it obviously as a fire truck, but there was a early Didion Bouton, uh, fire truck chassis back there. And of course, what engine powered the Dadion Bouton fire trucks? That was actually a question for you, John. Oh, I didn't take that as a question for me. No. I just thought it was kind of rhetorical. Thought it was rhetorical. Well, anyway, um, it still had the Dadion Bouton V8 engine sitting in it, uh, which, of course, one of the most significant early V8 engines there are. And I could have bought it. They, they, they told me they would sell it to me for a really reasonable price because their problem was the thing was so massive. They didn't want to deal with getting it out of there. And that was one of my problems is I didn't know how I was going to get it out of there. I didn't know where I was going to put it. I didn't know anything. And I just kind of walked away from it because I didn't know how to solve the problems. And to this day, I wish I had that engine, not necessarily the chassis and all that of the fire truck, but that specific engine, I would love to still, I would love to have that engine today and be able to put it in some kind of speedster or race car or something, because it would be phenomenal. Uh, I actually know where that engine wound up. It's at a museum. Um, and I, far as i know they were restoring the engine for display last last i knew so it found a good home right didn't go to the scrapyard that that would drive me nuts because now that you've come to the realization that all you really wanted was the engine is um i would have figured out it would have taken bought it taken the engine and then figured out something to do with the fire truck because you know people love to have fire trucks yeah or even bought it, pulled the engine out and everything that I wanted, and then had a, a torch with me and cut it up into sections and put it on a trailer and took it down to the scrapyard and made some of the money back. 
Yeah, I was looking at comments there, and I was going, yeah, Jason, a McLaren 720 is a pretty nice car. And uh, I guess you <laughs> have a couple of bucks, and then you did correct it to the uh, well, 570. Yeah. So so Jason's comment is it, it'll be a 570 until he hits the Powerball this weekend. Then it'll be a 720. Oh, did nobody win it last night? Nobody won last night. Hmm. Where am I going to be next? I'm going to be out of state. I think I'm out of state next Monday. Where am I? Monday. The drawing Saturday. Yeah, but if it goes, if it doesn't get picked on Saturday, it's going to be almost two billion. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, nope, I'm not. going to This is make... the point where Derek starts buying tickets, just because. Oh, I, gotta, I, I, I love I love shot. people that say that. Why is that? It's it's almost a billion and a half dollars. Now I'll buy tickets. Um, what would happen if you won forty million dollars? Is that just not going to be a it's pain not in good the enough, ass? John? It's not uh, good enough. Exactly. <laughs> okay. What do you I know, want? I love people. Italy forty forty million or one hundred and twenty million or seven hundred and forty millions. Yeah, it's going to inconvenience me. I, I don't deal with that. Jesus. You either play the lottery or you don't. Yeah, you should have bought that 67 Econo line. No, I said he should have sold it. <laughs> he had one. So have you sold it and you have a typo there, Colin, or are you saying you should sell it? <laughs> I don't know how to quite ask this question, but maybe when I tell you the story behind the car, you'll know. What I don't know, it doesn't quite fit the parameters of what car should. It's more like what car did you get screwed out of? <laughs> um, because for years I had the kind of had a caretaking position for a 74 Lotus Elite in um statutory grape and Wanted the car, wanted the car, even to the point that I was told once the decision's made to sell the car, you get the car. So when it moved from one warehouse or they needed space in the one warehouse, we brought it home and put it in my garage. While I didn't own it, it was in my garage waiting for my ownership to happen. Well, Certain entities knew I wanted this and they didn't want me to have it. So they played interference and said, eh, we're going to put it on eBay. And I said, I don't bid on eBay. I don't buy things on eBay. Um, I had a bad experience with eBay many, many years ago. And since then, I really haven't bought anything on eBay. I have actually sold a few things, but um, I don't buy things on eBay. And I said, I will give you this much money. And they said, no, we've got to run it on eBay. If you want it, you can bid. Well, I offered them a certain sum of money and the car sold for 30% less than what I had offered them prior to the eBay auction. Then It sold out of Birmingham to Colorado, so it had to be shipped. And the car didn't run, and the brakes were locked up on it. So the wheels had to come off. The calipers had to be removed. 
And then the car was pushable. So there was three or four hours of work they had to do. The truck picking it up was supposed to be there at three in the afternoon, didn't arrive until midnight. So somebody had to stand around and tick with that for nine hours. And once the car got delivered to the person who purchased it, he wasn't happy with it. So many ensuing phone calls happened and additional parts were sent or the seller had to search for those parts so that that person could acquire them because he claimed the car was represented with certain parts. So they had to be located and um, all said and done. They probably ended up between time and what had to be bought and additional shipping and phone call after phone call and phone call after the from the new owner. Keep in mind, I knew exactly what I was getting, exactly what it was worth. Um, they probably lost money on the deal. So I felt really good about that. Um, and, you know, they really thought I was going to go ahead and bid. And then I said, nope. And I was so happy to see it sell for so much less than what I was offering. Um, and to this day, I've never owned a, Lot uh, a Lotus Elite. This is a 74. This is the uh, 502 Elite. Um, it had a 2 plus 2 little back seat. kind of looks like a stretch gremlin or something like that. But it's really a hideously ugly car. Um, yeah, but, they're not the best looking. But they're... I like them. And hey, that's it. I mean, have you ever had something like that, that it was almost a done deal? And then at some point the seller um, changed the terms of the deal and you got screwed out of it? Well, before we get into that, uh, Jason wants to know if you said the color was statutory grape. Uh, yes, I did. Okay. Just making sure his question gets answered. You know. <laughs> I mean, I don't know why he's so concerned about it, but um, that anyway. Was that was back in the days of where Chrysler had, you know, Plum Crazy and um, uh, Panther Pink and things like that. This was uh, Chapman's unofficial in-house name for that color. In-house names are often different than the names that come out to the public. Yes. So to answer your question, John, no, I have never had that happen. Um, don't ask me why, or I, I don't know. Maybe I just don't get myself into situations like that. But no, I've never, I've never been really screwed out of a car in any way. I, I think, again, it's because I keep, like, I have a weird way of collecting the cars that I want. And then I just kind of keep everything. And I don't know. I don't know, just, but no, no, I've never, never had that happen. I'm trying to decide a Facebook user who that really is. I think I know who it is. I, I think on, I know who it is on the second comment. Well, the second comment doesn't make it be the first comment. I think I know who the first comment's from. And the second comment, maybe there's two different Facebook users. Oh, I guess could be I, two different Facebook users that aren't showing their names. I guess I think I know who the second. Well, one is. I think if you comment on my personal page, it comes off um, a little bit different. Uh, let me pop over there and see. 
So while you're doing that, what is our next? No, no, uh, so, yeah, both are the same person, and he's commenting on my personal page. Ah, there we go. And is it who we think it is based on the second comment? No, it's based oh. on the first comment. Hmm. The person you're thinking it is on the second comment, I believe, is uh, occupied in Las Vegas. Oh, that's right. He's out in Vegas. Yeah. Yes. And we're There's not talking. We're not talking about the former co-host. There. He's actually out in Vegas too, but. Yeah, winning awards and doing stuff. That's <laughs> all he ever here. does. I know. <laughs> Be better if he was here. Ah, that's who it is. All right. Yeah. It's Yoda. And, and I'm going to take a moment here because I've meant to do it all freaking day and I always get distracted. I got half the message written. Uh, you need to get in touch with me, Yoda. I'm off tomorrow and Saturday. I'd like to try to grab lunch if, if you've got time. Uh, text me after the show or text me tomorrow because <laughs> God knows I'm not going to get around to it. Um, sorry. There you go. Boom. Uh, what's our next, uh, what's our next, what car should, uh, what car, um, boy, I really, there's horrible grammar on that one. Yeah. There's a lot of bad grammar on some of those that I read through. Yes. Because I just threw it together. I mean, uh, Let's go with what car should have I never done that with? Whether it be something driving or accessories or, you know, you should have never done this modification or I should have never did this driving thing or. I should have never uh, severed the front suspension from the frame rails of my Centennial Edition Silverado. Yeah, that's thanks for bringing that up again, John. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't count. That was an accident. Yeah, well, still shouldn't have happened, shouldn't have done it, but that's life, right? If, if, if we include some of that <sighs> stuff in there. You know, oh. I, 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 so this one is, is again, there, there are times when I tend to not listen to my own gut about things and I really got to stop doing that. I just need to just need to listen to my gut, believe in myself and just do what I know needs to be done. So I got the 490, the Chevy touring and it wasn't running course when i got it and and the engine was seized up didn't know why and so you know and i bought it like and listeners will probably remember this but i bought it about i think it was like two weeks before old car festival um 2019 wow i don't even remember when i bought the car now it's only been a couple years anyway Bought the car, pulled it, you know, pulled the head off, figured out that it was, you know, mice had gone up through the exhaust, got in, had some corrosion on the cylinders, blah, blah, blah. Uh, took a few days, got it freed up, got the head decked, put everything together, got it running again. Um, thing ran beautifully, right? Took it to old car festival that year. Uh, did the, I mean, drove around all weekend in the car, no problems. Uh, did the um, 
car games down on the green, you know, drag raced model T's model A's, all these things and beat most of the cars that I was drag racing. Right. With this, you know, model A's I was beaten with a 1919 Chevy touring fantastic car. And then I had someone who will remain nameless on this show, uh, convince me that, yeah, we should do the same thing that a lot of model T guys do. And that's update it to the Volkswagen, uh, four cylinder, you know, distributor, um, you know, modernize the ignition a little bit just to make it more, you know, capable and easier to work on and get rid of the old original coil and blah, blah, blah. And I think everybody here knows I'm, I'm kind of a purist. I really like running cars on the old equipment, even if they have little quirks and things like that. But I was like, eh, you know, they do it on Model T's. His Model T's run great with the, the conversion. You know, all the other Model T's I know do great on it. So we did it. The thing won't stay running. I drive it for a little while, dies. Just got to figure it out. It just is it a reversible mm. modification? It is. It is. There's some machining that would have to be done again, but other than that, yeah, it could be reversed. And and I know it's likely just the probably the problem is the condenser uh, because the condensers anymore are junk that are being made, and they get hot too many times, they burn out, and it just they fry and everybody I've talked to, even the Volkswagen guys, they carry a box of them in the trunk anytime they go somewhere and just switch them out all the time. But it's just frustrating because the car ran beautifully with no problems. And now it's like, well, it died, grab, you know, it's just, so that Why is my answer to that question. Running a condenser and all of that, is it, why wouldn't you go to like a complete Petronic system or such? Uh, because I'm a purist and I don't like Petronics. But I'm a purist, but I'll put a Volkswagen distributor and ignition. System. I was, I was convinced to put it in and I regret that decision to this day. Yeah. Now, well, now we need to get somebody to convince you to put a electronic ignition in the thing and nah. Of course, I'll be honest. Again, I've why? Why? The, the, the original ignition ran beautifully. Why do the, I need to move to electronic? The the Triumph Steg that I restored years ago um, went to Petronics. And we it wouldn't run. It wouldn't run. And we diagnosed it back to the Petronics, ordered another one, and it wouldn't run. It wouldn't run. And we said to hell with it. And we put the points and everything back in the thing. Started on the first turn of the key. <laughs> so I can't say that that is the exact so I've heard I have heard that experience from many people with Petronics. What if Jacob's ignition is still around? I had one of those in my CRX and boy what a piece of shit that was. Hopefully they're not still around. <laughs> um um so I guess that question then goes to me, and then we probably should wrap this up. I think we're going to need to wrap it up. We're at about an hour. I would like to amend my previous comment. He actually misses his 91 ZR1. That that seems much more like you, Jason. The, the Porsche and maybe the twin Turbo Z, but uh, the, the Porsche Turbo 
No, I could see me missing the Porsche Turbo. 91 uh, ZR1, great car. Actually, I think the 91 is the one I'd want to have. I, the yeah. 90, no, and uh, either the 91 or the 95. I had a 91 on track, and uh, or the 2020. Oh shit! But it it was it's a healthy car. Yes, and then the Viper came out. Oh, what yeah. thing should have I never done with a car? I've done some pretty, you know, cut the roof off of a truck and made it convertible. I cut the roof off another truck and made it convertible. And then you cut a roof off a third truck and you switched all three of the hard tops around and made a different truck. No, no, actually it was a 81 Chevy that I, I was actually doing a permanent um, convertible with chopping the windshield down to six inches high and that. And then I would ended up having to move. Uh, I just enrolled in McPherson actually. So I needed to sell the truck and I sold the truck to the guy across the street who was supposed to give me back the damn Accord seats that I had installed in it. And he never did. Um, but he ended up welding the roof back on the truck <laughs> And making it back into a truck, um, and that was a that was something to be seen uh, him because getting you know I think I used a cutoff wheel so you lost an eighth of an inch of metal you know when you did the cut line and things like that uh, so you had to fill that back in and make everything line back up and put a factory windshield back in it. Not, a hell of a lot of work to put the roof back on that thing but i never got my accord seats back and that's what i remember uh, it's because he was so bitter about that eighth inch of metal yeah oh what stupid thing did i do with or to a car hmm. got so many cars i gotta go through Honestly, I don't know. I now cut a lot of roofs off things, all those, all of it wrapped into one. Yeah, that wasn't it. The uh, for some reason I'm stuck on my escort, and that doesn't make sense because I really didn't do much to that. The escort was a roll around storage unit, it was an 85 escort GL station wagon that sat one person. Because the rest of it was just full of tools and building supplies and car parts. And that was the car that I was driving and went around a corner and the exhaust fell off. And I stopped, picked it up, strapped it to the roof rack to go home. Got about three miles down the road and a cop stopped me and said, you know, you know why I'm stopping you? And I said, uh, no, no, because you never give them a reason. Right. And, and he, he said, well, sounds like you don't have an exhaust on this car. And me, and since I'm so understanding of the police, pointed out, yes, I literally have an exhaust on this car and pointed to the roof rack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I did. I didn't get a ticket, but <laughs> um, it was also the same car I got stopped in one night. He just sent me home. I got stopped in one night. Somebody stole a license plate sticker off the car, and then I just never bothered renewing the license plates. And I probably drove it eighteen months like that. And finally, a cop stopped me, and he sent me home because I didn't know the sticker got stolen. And because the sticker got stolen, I didn't know when it expired. Uh, yeah, he sent me home too. Then I went and got a sticker. Those are stupid things I've done, but I can't say I should have never done that. I learned from my experiences. Uh, coffee cans and hanger wire hangers aren't good exhaust hangers and um, yeah. patches. Um, no. I might say that I should do regret selling my um, Jeep Cherokee. I had a 95 Jeep Cherokee. We're past that. Yeah, I know. Then I'm thinking my S10. Oh, what I should have never done. I should have never put the V8 in my um, 88 Isuzu pickup. Um, that sounds like a terrible idea. Well, it was a good idea if I had a little bit more money. I mean, it ran and I drove it for a while. Uh, off and on, but it never was dependable after the V8 went in. But the guy I had hired to do the motor swap, I ran out of money, so he half-assed finishing it. And then I had to come back and try to finish it, and it just never went right. And it finally broke down one day, and I pushed it into a parking lot. And well, I guess you can't park it there for more than six months or something. I don't know. It ended up getting stolen out of that parking lot. And uh, I've never seen it since. But that the app, putting that V8 in that truck was the probably the stupidest thing I've ever done. I should have never done that with a car. And there you go. And actually, that was a... Um, L82 out of like a motor out of like a 78 Corvette. So I killed a Corvette and brought the process too. Um, yeah, that's, I'll go with that. There we go. Uh, what's your bitch? Ooh, I completely forgot that that would be coming up. Oh, man. And uh, kind of like you, I, I know I'd been keeping track of a few this week, and all of a sudden I'm blanking on them. Oh, crap. People that put their uh, drink cups down on your new uh, wood desk without the uh, cup holder in place and, uh, you know, cause, cause issues on your, uh, well, actually my wife's, new desk in her office so i'm gonna just dry that up real quick we're not gonna mention that no ring we're good okay ah wow you know i was keeping track of these for a while so i wouldn't repeat myself and then i stopped i gotta start doing show notes again while i'm sitting here doing this but uh Last week, I, I complained about the people that make fake cars and uh, lie about it. And that one's really been bugging me. Um, 
That's still bugging you. You could bitch about the same thing. <laughs> it's still no. It's just it's just ridiculous. Just ridiculous. Anyway, um, we I mean we always complain about people that drive poorly, but it's just getting so bad out there. I don't don't understand where people learn how to drive some days. Oh, what's one of the most recent? Uh, uh, I I know exactly what it was that I saw like, sometime between last week's recording and this week's recording. But the people that decide that they can turn around in the median during a traffic backup. And I'm not talking about in one of the crossovers. I'm talking about cutting through the median uh, where there is no crossover. Number one, if you if you if you do it correct, okay. Number one, if you're on a nice kind of level median, it's not that difficult. But you know, when you're on one that's kind of got the dip in the middle, you got to kind of be careful and understand how to cut across at like a forty-five and then get back around. But it blows my mind. Even the people that cut through the the turnarounds. Which, number one, read the sign you're not supposed to do, even if it is traffic backed up, unless a cop is telling you to do that. You can get a ticket for that. Um, and it's not so much, okay, the cutting through isn't a problem, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and even people that do this because they miss their on-ramp or you know they miss the last exit and they can't be bothered to go down to the next exit and do a turnaround like they should – it's not so much the people that are, 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 you know, doing the crossover, but it's when they decide to get back into traffic on the other side and they have no clue and no uh, perception of the fact that the traffic coming at them is not the traffic that's in the backup that they're getting out of. It's traffic that is flowing at a normal rate of speed, likely somewhere around 75 to 80 mile an hour. And you don't just pull out and gun it because you're not going to get up to speed fast enough unless the cars that are coming at you are quite a distance away. Anyway, those people bug the crap out of me. And yes, you can probably guess that I had somebody do that in front of me. And yeah, I had to get on the brakes pretty hard. I think we're all familiar with those idiots. And Jason's, um, he doesn't like to see people clone special edition cars. You were talking about building complete special edition cars from scratch. Oh, yeah. And I can kind of agree with Jason. As you know, you can't make a Tempest into a GTO or something like that and then try to pass it off or um, a 65 Mustang. Just don't pass it off. Yeah. 65 Mustang GT or Mustang into a six cylinder into a 65 Mustang GT or. Oh, like why not? Well, I'm looking at our Christmas lists. I put everything up right now, and we might add a few more things. But instead of just adding one item a week to our website, nodrivinggloves.com, I put everything up. These are little items that we're recommending for Christmas uh, for the car guy. Uh, it's probably better to tell your significant other or your family or who's ever buying you gifts about this page. But you can go there, click the, click a link, takes you to Amazon, and um, 
helps us out a little bit with the show and, you know, uh, hopefully the, the link's providing you value and it's w- worthwhile for you to click it. Um, since Derek's not going to join us um, next week, why don't you go ahead, Derek, and pitch one of them that you pitched me today? Oh, okay. Um, today or the one that I had already sent you before? I only got today's up, so... Oh, you don't and, have and I could I couldn't do number three because I couldn't find a car museum I could link through Amazon. Oh, well, that sucks. Um, so you didn't do the uh, grip mat one. We'll talk about that another day. Uh, no, I didn't. Um, give me just if okay. you give me a well, second, uh, no, no, go no, ahead I'll, and talk, I'll, about, I'll, I'll talk about, about the nightstick. Oh, I was going to talk about the nightstick then. Okay, because yeah. I was going to pull up the grip mat, but. So anyway, um, no, I mean one of my one of my personal favorite Christmas gifts over the last few years, um, a you know family member, yeah, I think obviously Christine likes to tell people what I what I need and and what I complain about a lot of times in the shop, and one of my old work lights had just gone to crap, and I was complaining about it. So she told family members that, you know, some nice, you know, work light for the shop would be good. And uh, I received one of my gifts was this work light from a company called Nightstick. And uh, I have to say they are fantastic. Um, They have two settings, you know, a a kind of full bright and a a bright and dim. There we go. We'll use headlight terms. They have bright and dim and you got to click it. And, uh, they're, you know, led, uh, rechargeable battery, you know, plug into the wall, but they're fantastic. They last uh, quite a long time on a charge and they have magnets on the, the handle on the base. So you can stick them, you know, up under a hood, places like that. And actually lately what I've been doing out in the shop is uh, I've got a workbench that has cabinets above and I don't have under cabinet lighting on it yet. I have it purchased. I just haven't had time to put it in. And uh, so what I'll do is turn the, I have two of them now because I like the first one so much. Uh, I'll turn both of them on and stick them up under the cabinets and use them as under cabinet lighting while I'm working on the workbench. So I, I really like them. Uh, I think they're good quality. Uh, I've, dropped them and they don't they haven't broken yet i I can't say that that's a guarantee but you know they've been pretty durable as well so i like it they give off a lot of light i've enjoyed having them yeah uh click through on the link on our uh, our web page it'll take you there Derek didn't actually send me a model number so i chose the nightstick nsr 1514 sorry uh, rechargeable led area light with a magnetic base back um it's one of them. Uh, it's at, uh, on the higher end of their pricing. Uh, but if go ahead and click through. Um, and there a lot, lot more link there. You know, you can start at about 40 bucks and go up from there. Um, and I never heard of the brand or that. And uh, Yeah, that's not the one I have. I have the actual like work light, like stick, your typical work light. Yep, those are, I didn't link, link to that, but if you click on the uh, link we have, there's the uh, Nightstick NSR2168, which is a stick 
and then there's also the uh, uh, it's actually the same one. So yeah, they're like forty two to fifty bucks for the sticks. So. Um, and I actually, just looked at our Christmas list that you're putting up and realized, wow, I have a whole bunch of other things that I can send you because like I said, my mind doesn't work that way. Uh, I struggle to come up with ideas yeah. until I see what somebody else puts up. Then I'm like, oh shoot. Yeah. That, 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 you know? Yeah. Well, send some, send some stuff there. Uh, send it to me. I'll just keep posting it. Uh, we're into a second row. You know, I threw up some books and uh, from previous guests. And, uh, you know, we got my mine from last week, the nightstick, kind of what we talked about. And um, got the leather honey from before, which I know Jason ended up buying some. So I thought um, um, he can probably give us a review in the next episode or something. But. I'm going to get out of here. I mean, we're one fifteen in, so it's probably 10.30. Oh, yeah, on the dot. Or at least 10.30 here. Happy generic time of the day, is guess what I'm supposed to say. Um, so I'm out of here. I don't know. Uh, Derek's off next week, correct? That is correct. I will be in uh, Naples, Florida at the Revs Institute. Ooh, I'm going to talk to you about that after the show. Um and just to see if it's what I think it is or hope it is. Um, after that, uh, I'll be I'll be here next week. Like I said, I might have a guest on. I might be test driving a potential co-host type position. We are still talking about adding a third to the show, to the rotation. Uh, still, ideally, I would like somebody much younger than Derek and I. Um, and potentially Much with a female perspective, which I guess I will throw out there because it worked. Um, I spent um, 69 bucks this week and bought a one-year subscription to HBO Max with commercials. Um, turns out there's a couple of shows on HBO Max that I wanted to see. Um, she wanted to see The Shining on Sunday night, so we that's was what triggered it or I would have waited a few more days, but, uh, I shared the link on, the, uh, the Facebook page, um, the, uh, um, world's fastest woman, um, documentary mm-hmm. is on, um, HBO max. Um, and there, Matt Farah has the best interview covering that, that I've heard so far. Uh, he actually has the, cameraman and the producer and stuff of the documentary that spent years with Jesse. This is about Jesse Combs. And as we all know, she passed away um, going after the, the world record for uh, world's fastest woman. And they determined because of what was left of the accident, some of the timing equipment and the uh, camera, that she had broken the world record in the measured mile where they actually do it. Unfortunately, she never returned from breaking the speed speed record. So she did become the world's fastest woman at 522 miles an hour. Uh, was awarded that after her death. Uh, this movie is about her pursuit of that world record and gets pretty... Intense from what I understand. 
I guess, minute, I think it's 132 or 133 to 134, um, or 132 to, it's, I don't know, it's, it's in there. Um, just be prepared. You're going to see some stuff that I don't think you normally would see in a movie because they actually show the, I think, can't say the car coming apart, but they show right up to the moment um, Jesse left us. Uh, so that's something out there if you haven't seen it. Um, it's definitely a documentary I believe is going to be worth watching. I will probably be watching it either later tonight or tomorrow because I'm bacheloring it for the next couple of days. And I don't know if uh, my significant other um, really wants to see that. Um, Jesse was, Jesse knew some friends of mine, uh, Will had had some encounters with her and, um, one of my first coworkers at the Barber Museum, um, actually was at Wyotech just about the time Jesse was, she was a little bit ahead of him and kind of passing newer. And I know some personal stories from that too. And yeah. Just remember the Jesse Combs Foundation. She's done a tremendous amount for women. And that's kind of why I want a woman on our show is to give us that alternative perspective, not the 40 and 50 year old male. This is the way it should be. And, you know, I'm getting crotchety in my old age. But like I said, um, check out that on HBO Max. You can get a free seven day trial. No, you can't. HBO doesn't do a free seven day trial. Subscribe for a month if you have to, but um, I knew I was going to get my money out of the year subscription. So I guess I should link that into the Christmas gifts too. But I'm trying to figure out how I got lumped into the 40, 50 year old crotchety old man category. Well, I was more Wait, the 40, I'm more the 50 year old crotchety old man. You're 40. Yeah. And, we, still, and I don't uh, think either one of us have the same mentality that, somebody 18 to 22 has about cars. So just looking to get a very, I want to get a new unique perspective because I, this is how I learn about cars is this show. Uh, learn more, you know, I know a lot, but I don't know it all. Actually, I do know it all. I just can't remember it all at once. And with that, I'm out of here for the night. Good night, everybody. See you later. Oh, where's my button? Way over here.